Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. We got D. Snyder on the show today. Holy shit. It's going to be great. Anyways, let's, uh, let's do this. I want to thank everyone who joins me on Patreon. You guys are just awesome. You do so much for me. Uh, not only is it a financial thing that you're supporting me with, it's an emotional thing. We have 34 of you now. And Victor works hard doing a lot of posts on the, on the page. I try to get some posts up to you guys. And yeah, I know I haven't done a video in a while. I'm going to do that for some of you upper tier people. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you to everyone on Patreon, patreon.com slash Talking Metal. That's where we go to support people like Metal Dan, support us there. Jeremy Weltman, Chris Riley, Johan Enderstrom, Stephen Rodriguez, Tommy Anderson, Adam Marr, Gregory, Kenny McCrimmon, Leo from Alaska, Brad Dahl, Richard Langridge, Dan Gruen, Patrick Schwartzman, Jerry from Long Island, Sam Supa, Soupy, Sam Soupy, Drake, Matt Carroll, Joe Ryan, Joe, you rock, the man who uh, really got the Talking Metal masks going, which are now available if you want to buy one, 18 bucks for people in the States, Jason Seth, Stephen Saylor, Ron Keel, Jean-Francois Blas, Anthony Mackey, James Bennett, Mr. David Gray, Fred Rutz, Michael Street, Jay Vaninsky, Mike Jones, Mike Jones, the Greyhound Dad, Steve Hoker, John Boivari. Thank you, guys. D. Snyder is here. I can't freaking believe it. Hi, I'm Mark Striegel, host and producer of this show since 2005. On this episode, we're going to talk some rock, some metal, and anything else we feel like. We're also going to jam some tunes, have a drink, and share some honest opinions. Thanks for listening to the Talking Metal Podcast. Let's get things started. This is the Sean Baker Orchestra with Which Way to Radio Land.
All right, I'm sitting out here on my patio. It is a beautiful day in July here in New Jersey. Things starting to open back up. I was so proud of our state of New Jersey. One out of two states, Rhode Island and New Jersey, where cases were actually going down instead of holding steady or shooting way up. So, you know, we got hit first here. Or not first, but yeah, pretty much first, you know. Westchester up in New York State, right across the state line there. But but yeah, I'm so proud of New Jersey, and I'm so happy that we are opening back up. The governor has said we can now uh, have gatherings of up to 500 people with face coverings. I can't help but think concerts are going to be returning here. Fingers crossed. I'm optimistic. Let's uh, let's hope so. D. Snyder. Holy shit. We got D. Snyder on the podcast today. I cannot believe it. It is an absolute honor to speak with this guy. Let's do this right now. This is The Fire Still Burns by Twisted Sister from 1985. Man, great tune. We'll hear that, and then we're going to hear from D. Snyder, and we're going to end the show with a song called Prove Me Wrong. It is the new studio cut off of uh, the new live record. The whole album is live except this one studio cut, and you can buy this before the release of the album, which I believe is July 31st. This, this song is now up on Apple Music and Spotify and stuff, Amazon Music. So go purchase it, support D, and let's do this. A true honor to speak with a guy I've been a fan of for, man, a long freaking time, like 40 not, not quite 40 years, but 30, 36, 37 years. Wow, I'm old. Here we go. The Fire Still Burns by Twisted Sister. And then after the interview, Prove Me Wrong by Dean Snyder. A new studio cut.
Hey, it's Mark Striegel of Talking Metal, and what an honor, a guy I've been trying to get on the show for so long, Dee Snyder. Dee, how are you, man? I'm good, and I hear that too often, and I'm sorry that it's been so difficult. <laughs> I just so many people start out with, I've been trying to get him, and I'm like, oh boy, am I really that? Am I really that unaccessible? So my apologies. Uh, no, no worries, no worries. I'm so glad you're here talking with us. I've been a longtime fan. Going way back to the first time I saw you live with Iron Maiden back in the uh, the day on the World Slavery Tour. When, when men were men and tours were tours, that was, to me, the ultimate metal tour. It was right before it went, all of a sudden we had this, it became hair metal. Right. You know, up to that point, it was just metal. And you could have an Iron Maiden and a Twisted Sister on the same stage. You could have motorhead and twisted sister on the same stage and people just said okay you know that metallica we toured with metallica they opened for twisted and nobody thought oh what are those two bands doing here together it was just metal we were a weird metal band that wore makeup and they were a metal band that didn't wear you know what i mean and but uh, so that was a that is a, a great tour yeah and i want to talk to you about everything that's going on now but i will say my one of my most vivid concert memories, and I've been to hundreds of concerts, was that show at, I believe, the Mecca Arena in Wisconsin, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It was one of the few times an opening band had everyone there. I mean, every seat in the arena taken. I was just going to say that. I was going to say that it was not an opening band situation. Uh, It was filled from 7 o'clock. I don't remember there being an empty seat in the house. Like people that we want to see Iron Maiden and we want to see Twisted Sister. And I don't remember, I don't remember like, you know, like I, I remember we toured with Alice Cooper and uh, the, the whole front section in the arena being empty as the Alice, this was this was in the, when we reunited, uh, the Alice Cooper hardcore showing up fashionably late, you know, and that feeling of being like, like being an opening band again. Didn't have that feeling at all with Maiden. It was just an event. Yeah, and it, it certainly was. It was, I think, my third concert that I ever went to. And you you came out. Not only was every seat in the arena filled, everyone was standing. And I remember vividly there was one guy who wouldn't get out of his seat. And about three songs in, you spotted him and started pointing him out to everyone. And the whole arena was yelling at the guy to stand up. And and uh, he, he didn't. But it was just a great moment. So So much fun. Yeah, it was great until the time I did it to a whole section of people and uh, who weren't standing. And I just, I mean, I threw the show away to get this section on their feet. They would not stand up. I put spotlights on them. I had the crowd chanting, stand up, stand up. I had the crowd singing, chanting, F you, F you. They would not stand up. I stormed off the stage at the dress room. I was so angry that I couldn't get these a-holes to stand up. And my manager came through the door and said, what the hell are you doing? And I said, what? He goes, screaming at that those people. I said, they wouldn't stand up. He said, it was the handicap section. Oh, no. <laughs> that's, that's funny. That's great. So stuff. from that day on, I would be handed every night, I'd be handed a map and say, and this is where the handicapped people are, are Don't standing. yell at them. <laughs> Do not yell at them. And I was like, oh, my God, I was so embarrassed. I got, those poor people, I'm brutalizing, cursing at them, screaming at them. You know how I get. Yeah. And uh, and uh, and they, they couldn't stand. Believe me, I'm sure they would have stood up if they, if they could. Right on, right on. And I've seen you so many times during the years, and it's always just a pleasure to see you perform live. 
And speaking of performing live, you have a new live album on the way. July 31st, we'll see For the Love of Metal Live released, uh, an album, a DVD, Blu-ray. So this is recorded in different places, D? Yeah, unlike um, most live records, and, and certainly the ones I've done in the past, which have been sort of one, one, you know, one arena, one festival, one concert hall, uh, and you know, sort of a one night experience. I we filmed uh, multiple shows, and it's a compilation of about nine different shows. And what's unique about the DVD is that in one, not just one song, in one line of song, it cuts from country to country, day to night, oh, wow. sun to rain, in one line of a song. And uh, when I suggested this idea, uh, people were concerned it wouldn't work. It does. And the purpose of that was I was trying to show the community that how connected we all are and how the music connects us, no matter if we are in Sweden or Brazil or Australia or England or the United States. Everybody, metal is metal is metal, and that love is shared. Uh, hence, for the love of metal live. So uh, it's a unique approach to a live concert, uh, but I think it's very effective. Yeah, absolutely. And we get some some new songs by D. Snyder on the on the record. There's actually a new studio track too. Let's let's start there. Uh, Prove me wrong. Is that something you recorded for the original studio version of For the Love of Metal that you had left over, or was it a new song you went into the studio to record? I'm glad you asked that because the Napalm, my label, wanted a, you know, a bonus track. Uh, you know, I was everybody's trying to load these things up with some reason for people to buy the product. And um, they said, do you have any outtakes from For the Love of Metal? We did not. And I said, but we can go and write something and record something. And they were like, oh, that would be really cool. So uh, the beginning of this year, um, me and Charlie Velmore, my guitar player, wrote Prove Me Wrong, and we recorded it with the band, and it's on the record. And it's important a message I'm sending to people, and I hope they pick. I want them to know this. This is D. Snyder for this millennium. Right. This is what you can expect from me moving forward. It's a great tune, man. For the love of metal, was me rediscovering, finding my voice, finding my place in the in the community, and I am staying on the course and staying on this path. So, prove me wrong. Sounds like it could be an outtake from For the Love of Metal. Because it is that is who I am, what I am, and where I am going. So that that's why the track was, is. I'm glad it's on there. Absolutely, and and you say where you're going. I assume that means there will be more studio music down the road. The intention is for that. Now that's there, there's a there's a but coming up, and my father always says everything after the word but is BS. Um, so it's not BS. So but. I am do I I have always been involved in a great many things, as you know, radio, TV, movies, things like that, acting, uh, producing, and now I'm getting into directing. I was supposed to be directing my first feature film, uh, My Enemy's Enemy, in May, and that's been pushed back due to COVID. So that is my next project. Then I've been approached, uh, and I'm currently developing to rewrite and direct. A, a, a classic, a reimagine a classic 80s slasher film. And um, so I've been working on that. And that's supposed to be after I do My Enemy's Enemy, then I'm supposed to go and start filming that one. 
movies cool. take time. Um, and that is what I really want to, and I just wrote my first fictional novel, which is out at, at publishers right now. So I plan on, I know that it'll get published and released and I'll be promoting that. So on my immediate horizon, I see directing two movies and I see releasing my first fictional novel. After that, my brain says music. Um, but I don't, with COVID, with what's going on, I don't know exactly when that's going to be. Right. So the plan is there in my brain, but I've got um, a number of things between then and now. Awesome. Cool. And I do want to talk to you about some of the, the film stuff and the book that you mentioned, but just to kind of uh, circle back to the new live record for the love of metal live again, out July 31st by D Snyder. Um, a great ACDC cover will be on the record to highway to hell. And you've had such a, an incredible career. I wanted to ask you, I know you're a big ACDC fan. Have you ever had any run-ins with those guys? Have you hung out with those guys ever? Um, yeah, ACDC is uh, one of my major influences, sort of a final influence. You know, I go back to, to Zeppelin and Dio and Priest and, and, you know, Alice Cooper and the Glitter Rock of the early 70s. And ACDC came around in the late, late 70s when I discovered them early on. And uh, and had amazing effect. It got me. It, it, they showed me that four chords is still can make a great song. And Bon Scott's voice was the last piece in defining who what D. Snyder's voice. You hear that nasal thing in my voice? That's right. Bon. Let it eat that. You know, right. <laughs> okay, I like that. I want to put some sound, put some nasalness in my voice. So uh, you know, finding my place. So to honor them and to play an ACDC song on the record. Uh, you know, on the live album, I love doing it live. The audience loves it, and to me, it's it's honoring them as well. As far as um, over the years, I became friends with Brian Johnson, who's a great guy, and I'm certainly he's one of the most amiable guys in the world. So there's great many people who say, "Oh, I'm friends with Brian Johnson," because he's friends with everybody. Right. Uh, but he's just a great guy. Um, I've uh, only got to meet the rest of the band once. And for me, meeting Angus Young was truly meeting one of my greatest heroes. And uh, I was very, uh, I was very like, uh, and I've met, you know, um, met and become friends with Alice. I've met and become friends with Robert Plant. And, uh, and these are guys with my, you know, posters over my bed guys, you know. But Angus, for some reason, I was really kind of nervous about meeting him. And when I walked in the room and saw how little he was and how big I was, I felt very awkward. I wanted to tell him how much he meant to me. And yet towering over him, and as, as I saw him and we were approaching each other, I said, it didn't, just didn't feel right. I should be looking up to Angus Young, not right. looking down to Angus Young. Yeah. So just <laughs> at the moment, I'm just up to him. Out of the corner of my eye, we're in a dressing room, I see a folding chair, and I grab it, and I slide it over real quick, and, and like, put my foot on it and brought myself down to his eye level. Yeah. That's great. And, and I, and I was, and it was all like instantaneous. Like, Hey man, you know, your music just, and, and, and I said, oh, this is much better because I'm looking him eye to eye. And I just wanted to make that contact with him. And, you know, he was very, he was very nice. Uh, but, uh, I, I have a feeling that I'm one of thousands who have said those exact words to him. Dude, you changed my life. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great story, D. And 35 years ago, you guys released, when I say you guys, Twisted Sister, come out and play. How do you look back on that record now, 35 years later? 
Come Out and Play was my master stroke. Um, uh, let me clarify. I mean, I finally had free reign. I finally had an unlimited budget. And I finally could do the things I wanted to do musically. Uh, had this time in the studio. Every other record had like a had a clock ticking, you know, um, as with the album artwork, with the stage show, with the merch, everything with the videos, everything was conceptualized, connected. Uh, and, and, you know, and, and, you know, and, and again, I just could have had free reign. Unfortunately, uh, there was the timing of the record. Um, the release, the first single release, Mistake on Me. Um, I didn't read the community and the way we, I was so full of myself, and I'll take full blame. I was just a me megalomaniac. And if I look up the word, that whatever you read, that's me. I looked it up, I said, oh yeah, that was me. I was so, so on such a power trip, uh, the high of being rich, famous, and successful, that um, I completely misread you know, the, the community's view of Twisted Sister and how it needed a correction. You know, like we had crossed over and uh, the core audience had started to question our validity and our, you know, and, and our dedication to the metal community. And I completely missed, didn't see that and just went charging full steam ahead, continuing down the path of, you know, of, of rock radio, uh, top 40 charts and all that bull, bull crap. I'm trying not to curse because I think we're on, you do a radio show. Wait, so it's okay. Um, oh, it's okay. Yeah. So, um, so, you know, so, you know, so the record ultimately, you know, was a failure. Europe less, Europe did really well. Uh, America went gold, but it was considered a failure. It was damaging to the band because I was such a, an authoritarian dictator on the record uh i didn't allow anybody to have a voice or an opinion and uh it made and it ultimately led to the breakup of the group and killed the, the goose that laid the golden egg just a little uh, uh asterisk on this learning a valuable lesson way too late i counseled skid row on their follow-up album to to the first skid row album and um and i'm thanked in the, in the thank yous on that record, uh, the relationship between Sebastian and the band was rocky. And I, I sort of counseled Sebastian through that. But I also told the band, I said, listen, make no mistake. Your last single was I Remember You. People are questioning whether you're really a metal band or you're, you're a pop band. You're in all the teen magazines. You need to come back hard. And so they released Monkey Business, followed by uh, Slave to the Grind. Right. And just and just cemented said that and, and sent that message which twisted needed to send and i would say, say oh no no we're metal man don't get the, don't think at that power, don't judge us by the last power ballot but uh fortunately unfortunately nobody gave me that advice i probably wouldn't have listened anyway right on I, you know for me though personally I, I there was some great tunes off of the you know come out and play album including the title track which was extremely heavy which kicked that whole uh, the album fire off. still burns i yeah. cover on i do on the um, you know, with the live album, I you know, I meld the new music and old music, and I I wanted to show the connection because Twisted was a metal band, and choosing the more metallic songs from our catalog like Under the Blade, Fire Still Burns, Burn in Hell, Can't Stop Rock and Roll, 
and adding in the detuning and my great band adding a few little more, you know, here and there, uh, it really all works together. You kind of go, oh, wow, this is this is a body of music here and and it all connects. So, um, you know, the, the 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 metal was definitely there. I just, you know, completely miscalled the first single and misread the public. And and uh, I, I, I take that one. I take complete blame. I was driving right on. I was driving right on. So you mentioned a movie, My Enemy's Enemy. Of course, you gave us uh, Strangeland way back. What was that? Ninety eight, I believe. So this is uh, how how would you compare your new movie to to that? Well, on the darkness level, uh, it is brutally disturbing. And um, I, as I reinvented the horror wheel uh, with Strangeland, and for those in doubt, it is the first f- film rated R for scenes of torture. Wow. Okay. Uh, I used to host a, a uh, horror radio show called Fangoria Radio, and Eli Roth and John um, uh, and John, uh, the guy who did uh, again his last name, the director of uh, of, of of Saw. They, you know, they bowed down before me for my inspiration as far as creating movies that weren't about death, were more about suffering. And um, so, uh, you know, um, I, and writing My Enemy's Enemy, I didn't want to do another horror film until I came up with an idea that was equally original and equally game changing and, 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 and would definitely, well, I was going to say raise the bar, but I think I lowered it. Uh, I had to think of <laughs> Matter of fact, I dug a hole in the ground and dropped the bar in. Uh, <laughs> okay. So, uh, you know, and uh, my enemy's enemy it will redefine horror. It'll be a new genre of horror, wow. and um, and it's but based on an actual event that happened on Long Island in 1982, a crime that was committed that um, that the people who committed it received 365 years consecutive each. Wow! Uh, considered wow. the worst crime in the history of Long Island. But I took that and an x-factor curveball in it a what-if scenario uh which takes it down a, a heart from a from an action thriller turns it into a horror movie about midpoint so it's, a, it's unique and i and i look forward to my first not as making the movie but my first um time behind the camera as director which uh, i'm excited about and do you think you'll get in front of the the camera for it too no, no. um for for multiple reasons i'm really trying to get I'm really trying to get out of the uh, the performing part of things. Um, I, you know, I, I'm so limited by my age, physicality, skin color, uh, you know, all those things. And what I love about writing is that I can be anybody as long as the written, the word on the page is convincing and an actor or actress can play the portray the part. You know, no one cares that Quentin Tarantino uh, isn't black. As uh, Samuel L. Jackson says, he writes really well for black guys. Yeah, you know, and so it's 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 a freedom you have as a writer, which I really enjoy. So I, I'm much happier to just be, you know, in the writer director chair than uh, in the actor chair. And you mentioned you also might be involved with uh, remaking or rewriting a cult classic. I wanted to ask you a number of years back. I guess it was back in 2007. Rob Zombie redid Halloween. Did you see his version of it? And what did you think? Uh, he did multiple ones, right? Halloween. First one I really liked. Second, I believe, if you believe he did two. 
You know, um, I'm not sure about that. Yeah, I, 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 I know he did a bunch of movies, but I'm not sure about that. Yeah. As a matter of fact, uh, Malik Akkad, the producer of the Halloween franchise, is, is producing the uh, reimagining of the 80s slasher film that it's not Halloween, but right, he's okay. uh, producing the movie uh, for, with me. And uh, I thought, I think Rob's incredible. Um, you know, one thing he did with Michael Myers, which was, uh, was, was a mistake. And I, I don't know if he would see it that way, but I will certainly not do that. He tried to make you feel for Michael, try to explain how he was abused child and he had this thing with masks and he was hiding. And we don't want to know that about these killers. Right. That right. it's not the nature of Jason Voorhees to have had to be a, you know, to be an abused child. We don't care. It's, it's, we just want them to be a machine, you know? So that, you know, he did a great job visualizing and stuff. But I believe that was in the second one uh, that just was not, you know, that he crossed the line uh, for me. And I'm a, you know, I'm a horror aficionado. And this said, I applaud his work. He's done some tremendous horror films. Uh, and he's a great, talented artist. Nobody gets it right all the time. Hence, come out and play. You know, uh, <laughs> you know a great album, but I made a fatal mistake uh, with the first single. Uh, you know, uh, so, uh, you know, we can't, uh, you know, unfortunately we have to live with those mistakes though. Right on. And real quick, before I let you go, D you've had an incredible career, obviously the music, but set the music aside and um, the acting, the directing of films, books, radio, what, what career highlights or highlight rises to the top of the non-musical career that you've had? I'm performing on Broadway in Rock of Ages for three months. Right on. Um, You know, the lesson, if I could share a lesson with people, they always ask me, how do you do all these things? Well, there's a lot bigger explanation to what brought me to taking all these challenges. But one of the big things I learned was say yes and figure it out later. And now that doesn't mean fake it till you make it. That means say yes. And if the opportunity arises, get in there and do the work to figure out how to, to do it. And I was at the premiere of Rock of Ages on Broadway, and the, one of the producers came up to me and said, what would you think about being in the show? And I said, sure. Two years later, I was on a safari with my family in the jungles of Africa, and a satellite phone rings. It's your manager. And I get on the phone, and I was like, Phil, are you kidding me? This is my wife's dream. We've been waiting to do this trip, the whole family, and you're calling me now and he says you're in i said in wow. what he says rock of ages now my wife now we weren't expecting to get a call my wife says my face she thought somebody died uh <laughs> by the look on my face the next word i said was when now i was meaning when am i in she thought i meant when did they die right and right. uh he said when you get land next week you go into rehearsals the next day two weeks after that you're on broadway starring in the show. And I hung up. My wife said, who died? I said, no one died. I'm in Rock of Ages. And I'd never done anything like this other than like a high school play or something, you know. Um, and uh, so, it, you know, but, as, you know, I said yes. I went in there. I worked my ass off. And I, I you know, and learned how to do it all. And it's, it's a it's much bigger deal than one would think, singing, dancing, acting, 
uh, even the backstage choreography, moving around, costume changes, and all that craziness. And um, and I and I I like to think I did it well. People who saw me, uh, you know, applauded and enjoyed it, and I'm proud of that time. But it really was it was a such a different experience and a and a, a major achievement for me as an artist to do something out of my comfort zone, completely out of my comfort zone, and to and to conquer it and 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 do it well. I, I like I, that's great, and I like that. We'll end with that that phrase that you just said. What was it? Say yes and figure it out later. Is that what? what you said? Figure it out later. Remember, that's not fake it till you make it. Right. That's that's okay. They said yes. I got the gig. Now I gotta really figure out how to do this and make it make it work. So uh, go get them, everybody. That great talking to you. Finally, yes. Hopefully, it's not so long between chats next time. Perfect. D, it's an honor. Thank you. Good luck to you. Pleasure, man. Take care. Bye-bye.
around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.